We also have one more announcement, exciting news, I think. We have some folks who want to get baptized. So we are planning a baptismal service in three weeks. Did you know three Sundays from now is Easter Sunday? It's like, wow, came up quick. But uh, anyway, April 9th is Easter Sunday, three weeks away. Uh, In two weeks, we'll plan on a meeting in the family cry room uh, right after the second service. So if you haven't gone public with your commitment and love for Jesus, and the way you do that is to get baptized, uh, there's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer, and uh, we'd love to have you take part and uh, take this opportunity for you. Did you know there are 59 one another statements in the New Testament. 59 times God's word says over and over and over again that out of the overflow of our daily relationship with Jesus, uh, we as a church family, we are commanded to do good and godly stuff toward one another. Not a suggestion most of them are just straight-out commands. Why? Why Why are we supposed to be doing good and godly stuff toward one another? And the answer is because Jesus himself dressed up for the cross and the empty tomb. Because Jesus dressed up for us and he went to the cross and then he went into that tomb and arose from the dead. He expects us, because of what he's done for us, now to dress up and care for one another. I like this quote from Pastor Andy Stanley. It says, the primary activity of the church is one anothering one another. Isn't that good? The primary activity in the church family is to one another one another. This morning uh, we're in Galatians chapter 6. You've got your Bibles, that's great, uh, where the Lord asks us to be lifeguards, ready and willing and on the lookout to rescue and restore one another when we see somebody drowning, it says, in sin, very specifically. In, In other words, Jesus expects us, followers of Jesus in a family, to seek and rescue and gently restore other members in the family. If we get broken, if you're unable to get unstuck from your sin. Now picture this, Glenn. You're down at uh, Walloon Lake, and it's summer. Okay, you wouldn't want to do this now, but you're down and enjoying the beach and kind of relaxing, and then you see somebody out in the water, and at first you think they're goofing off, but pretty soon you realize... They're not. They're, they're not doing well. They, they need uh, help. They're flailing. They're, they're choking. They're going under. And now, uh, Glenn, Glenn is our resident 911 guy. Instead of calling 911, instead of going out and helping, I think it's time for lunch. I'm just going to go to the car. And I go to the car. Oh, and then I wave. I'm praying for you out there. <laughs> and, and then you head for the car. Uh, and you know this person, maybe they're even a family member, but you do nothing. Can you imagine 
treating a genuine drowning person that way? And, and I'm confident, no way. <laughs> Most of us, you'd be out there trying to rescue them yourself. That's exactly what Paul is talking about today. Someone is drowning in their sin, and the Lord is saying to us, we need to be on the alert. We need to be ready to search and rescue folks when they struggle with their sin. Galatians chapter 6 is where we're at. If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read the first six verses. Galatians chapter 6. Read with me. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help today. We're going to talk uh, very practically about uh, the family and responsibilities we have toward one another. Would you meet us today, we're asking, in your church? We need your word and your spirit and the power that you have attached to your book and your spirit to be alive today in your church. Do a mighty work in my heart. Do a mighty work in each and every life. Uh, those who are here uh, in person, Lord, do a mighty work in those who are watching online right now as well. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church family here at Walloon Lake said with one expectant voice, you can be seated. We're going to start with the last, okay? The last verse we read, because um, I just want to pause and, and say something very, uh, I hope, encouraging. Those, it says, who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with them. Can I just brag on you a bit? Can you handle a little bragging? For 32 years, y'all have lived out verse 6. Nice job. I, I can speak personally. Um, I, I didn't, didn't become a pastor to, to get wealthy. Um, I should have went to law school, right, Kev? If you wanted, if you wanted to, to get the bucks, this is the wrong profession. But I will say, you've taken great care of the needs of the Ellis family, and now the Overbeek family, and the Cook family, and the Cole family. We could just keep going on. Well done. Well done. You, you've lived out uh, verse 6 wonderfully. Now let's go back to the text. We'll start at the top. Verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters... Paul's writing 
to the church. Okay? That's why he calls them brothers and sisters. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking to the church family, those who are in the churches in the region of Galatia. So that's, that's who's receiving this letter. Okay? Um, so please hear me. Okay? Give me your eyes. What we're going to talk about today does not apply to people who don't know Jesus. Too often we take uh, things that are intended for the family and imply them to my unchurched uncle or my brother or, or my mom or, or my unchurched neighbor and suddenly we realize it's not working so good because it wasn't intended for them. The application is for those in the family. Does that make sense? So everything we're going to talk about today, it applies to those who are members of the church body, those who know Christ, who have Jesus and His Spirit living inside of us, who need restoration. Okay? That's the context here. Something is broken, something is torn, Somebody is flailing in the water and needs rescuing, okay? The word help means to mend something that is broken. Literally, in biblical times, it talked about a doctor attending to a broken bone or a net that had gotten torn and you'd come and you would help stitch that net back together. That's where that word comes, to help to mend. The idea is someone in the family is broken and they're caught in sin and the idea here is they want to get well. They, they, they don't want to stay broken. They don't want their net to stay uh, unstitched. They want to get free, verse 1, from their sin. The problem is they're caught. They're stuck. Does that make sense? Uh, their sin has them in a headlock. And even though they've tried so far, they're unable to get freedom and get unstuck from their sin. James 1 and verse 13 talks about being tempted and dragged away by sin. James 1.13, you can write that down somewhere. But it, it's like a fish who's now got hooked and now like a fish on a hook. And once that hook gets set, no matter how much that fish wiggles or jumps, they're stuck. <laughs> and it's like the fish knows, if I don't get unstuck, I'm about to get filleted and eaten. And that's exactly what can happen with sin. Sin can fillet us and eat us alive. Now, it doesn't get specific. What kind of sin is it? Is it uh, a financial sin? Is it a sin of the eyes looking at things that shouldn't be looked at? Is it a sin of the mouth uh, saying things that shouldn't be said? Uh, is it a sin of relationship where someone is ugly and angry and bitter? It could be a spiritual sin. It doesn't say what kind, and I think that's 
Why? Because now we can apply this to any situation and anyone who is caught and stuck in sin and they're being held hostage by their sin. Okay? So, let me, let me, let me just pause for another moment. We said this doesn't apply to people who don't know Jesus. It, it only applies in the family of Christ. Secondly, I need to say, this doesn't apply to Romans 14 stuff. Romans 14 is discussing disputable matters. Uh, areas where um, we can disagree, Henry. Uh, they're non-sin issues. Um, this isn't talking about disputable matters where Christians who both love Jesus, who both are filled with the Spirit, can come with different convictions. Make sense? So, not talking about disputable matters here. We're talking about things where the Bible clearly calls something sin. Not disputable. No, this is sin. And note, those caught in sin realize they're in trouble and dealing with sin as well. Okay? It's not a mistake. It's not my mama's fault. It's not I just had a bad day. It's something the Bible calls sin, and the person who is on the hook and stuck in sin, they realize they're in sin as well. Okay? It's a little bit like a dog being wrapped around their human. Do we have that? Yeah. Yeah, you're stuck, and I, I don't care how, how hard that dog is trying, he can't get unbound around their human. So when this happens, what's supposed to happen in the church? What should the church do when someone is all wrapped up and doesn't have good solutions, good answers to their situation? Okay, Verse 1 tells us, it says, you who are godly. Now here's what's interesting. Paul has just told us what godly people look like. Back up. Verses uh, 22 and 23 of chapter 5, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you back up even more, chapter 5 and verse 16, those who allow Jesus and His Spirit to guide you are called to help and step up and help those who are caught and stuck and bound and all wrapped up in their sin. Okay? So, if you're the one who's stuck and caught in sin, if you're that dog with your chain wrapped around the pole, if you're the one uh, feeling like a fish, and now you're, the hook is set, and I don't seem to be getting any victory, here's what it says. Give me your eyes. Get connected. Find someone who's full of the Holy Spirit. Find someone whose life regularly displays the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, you're not going to find anybody, Jose, who does that perfectly because there was only one perfect, and his name is? But you find people around you who quite regularly, if you look at them, their life is filled with love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. That's the sort of people you're looking at for. You find somebody in the family who can help you get unstuck from your sin. Find somebody who knows God's Word and lives God's Word and will help you get solutions for your sin problems. Okay? Here's the sad part. Far too many times we look for answers from people who are fleshy or don't know Jesus and we're looking for easy answers. We're looking for simple answers. So, so we try to do it the easy way instead of the biblical way. Uh, give me a prescription. Give me a six-pack. Well, I want to find something that will be quick and easy and painless. And I certainly don't want to humble myself or inconvenience myself. Just quickly give me an answer. Go back to verse 1. I just want to show you. Dear brothers and sisters, if you see an unbeliever overcome by some sin, you who are godly, you who walk with Jesus, you who are filled with the Holy Spirit, make sure you are on alert. Be ready to rescue and restore those around you when they're stuck. The hook of sin has them firmly hooked. Go back to verse 1. Because it says, if you see somebody overcome by sin, you who are godly should do it how? Gently. <laughs> Gently. Do it with gentleness. Uh, make sure you're careful. Um, I've been getting shots in my eye. Yep. I had, I had a pretty graphic one with it in it. And, and, and I thought, no, some, some, I'll ruin your day, some of you. But you can see what's about to happen. I think I've had about 12 or 15 of them in the last few years. Um, I'm really grateful to report that my doctor is gentle <laughs> and careful. Can you imagine, okay, what, what, what's about to happen? You can figure it out, okay? If you just grab my head and jam the needle in. I'd be finding myself another doctor. I would. Uh, so you want someone who's going to help you. you got a brother or sister stuck in sin, but if we're not intentional, we can be rough. We can be blunt. We can be mean-spirited. Oh, great. Over being stuck in sin again. And, and we just speak harshly and bluntly you're in the same ditch, really? Are you that stupid? And sometimes we say stuff just like that to one another. He says, be gentle. Make sure you get full of the Holy Spirit. We're not called to beat one another up with God's Word. Be gentle, be kind, be, be soft as you're helping people get unstuck from their sin. It's... It's like this, okay? Someone has now been in a car crash. You love them, and now they're stuck, and they can't get out. you got the jaws of life going here. So the fire department goes to the scene, and they use this hydraulic tool to cut the vehicle apart so they can extricate 
so they can remove the person who's stuck from the car so they can get help. But I'm telling you, um, as chaplain, and I think chaplain emeritus of the Melrose Fire Department, I can tell you, those guys are gentle. They don't just go with that tool and just start cutting wildly. They're very careful as they attempt to free somebody from a car accident. Here's what he's saying. You uh, need to be gentle with the jaws of life. Only now we're talking the word of life, God's word. Take God's word and be filled with Holy Spirit and get a good diagnosis and help them to get well. Help them to get unstuck. Help them to find freedom. Now, there's a word of warning here. It says, be careful, last part of verse 1, not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Now, isn't that interesting? When we go to help someone who's falling into sin, it's tempting to feel, well, I'm glad I'm not as stupid as them. Uh, I'm grateful that I'm so much more spiritual than them. I'm, I'm grateful that, that I'm so much better than they are. It's tempting to feel superior. Well, I, I, that, I would never struggle with that. Famous last words. Watch out for pride if you think you're all that, is what it says. And don't forget, give me your eyes, that the very same tempter who snagged your brother or sister has a bullseye on your head too. That's what we need to remember. How, how did they get caught? Well, the enemy laid a trap and their old sinful flesh really wanted that tempt and now they're trapped. Don't think that you are untemptable yourself. I'm just telling you, uh, we're all only an hour, a bad hour away from being in the same place. You understand? We're, we're all capable of falling. Spiritual, godly people fall and fail as well. Can I hear an amen? Because sometimes we, we think, oh no, that would never... No, no, no. We're all... We're all prone to wander. Verse 2. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Share each other. I think specifically he's talking about someone caught in sin, but I think the application is bigger. When someone has a heavy load, a weight that's not meant for one person to carry by themselves... Church family, be ready to come and help. So when life gets overwhelming and crushing for your brothers and sisters in Christ, be ready, be on the watch to go and help when troubles and trials of life begin to crush and overwhelm. Yes, when they're stuck in sin, but I think this is bigger than that. When, when someone's just being crushed with life, we need to be ready to step in and help. I wish, I wish I could tell you, trust in Jesus, come to church, pray, read your Bible, give, serve, 
and then life will always be happy and wonderful and skippy. Wouldn't that be nice, John Penfold? If, if you just do all the right things and then nothing bad will, you get this Jesus bubble all around you. Can I tell you, you don't see that in the life of the apostles. Uh, you don't see that in the writers of the New Testament. And you certainly don't see that in the life of Christ. So to think that you just give your life to Christ and everything's wonderful, that's just setting people up to get destroyed. Because if you think everything's wonderful and then you get hit, that, that's how people get wiped out. We currently have 40-plus widows in our three campuses. I think every widow would tell you. There are times <laughs> life is overwhelming and heavy. We need each other. We do. Or we're going to get smashed and crushed and feel all alone. That's not what we're meant. We have the church family to share when life gets overwhelming and crushing. We're called to step in and help. And look at what it says. That fulfills verse 2, the law of Christ. That's fulfilling the law of love. John 13, 35, by this love, everybody knows you're my disciple. We, we, we shine brightest when we're loving on each other, especially when they're crushed and overwhelmed. Back to the text, verse 3. It says, uh, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're, you're not that important. <laughs> Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Okay? Um, another warning about pride. So when we're helping in the family, a very real temptation is to think, hey, that would never happen to me. Or he says, don't think you're too good to get your hands dirty. None of us are too high and mighty to help serve each other. We're all members of the family. Sinners saved by grace. Okay? I'm going to say it again. We're all just one bad hour away from needing help, from being that fish with the hook set, of being that dog all wrapped up in the chain, uh, of being that person out drowning in, in Walloon Lake. We're all just, just an hour away. Verse 5, chapter 6. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Okay? We are each responsible to carry our own load. And now you think, are you not contradicting yourself, Paul? Did you not just tell us back in verse 2 to help each other with our loads? And now you're saying each person is responsible for his own load. Verse 2 is talking about a heavy weight, something that is uh, only going to get carried by multiple people. Tracking with me? We're, we're talking a boulder. It's crushing. It's overwhelming. Verse 5 is talking 
about a purse or a backpack or a briefcase. You understand? So, verse 2, when, when things are overwhelming and crushing and you're going to need multiple people to carry that, we're, we're called to help each other. Verse 5, but we're all supposed to carry and be responsible to carry our own purse and carry our own backpack and carry our own briefcase. Okay? We're instructed actively reach out. When someone is being crushed, church family, go get them. Help them get uncaught, unhooked. Uh, help them with their overwhelming burden. Um, but verse 5, Back in Paul's day, think about this, back in 60, 65 A.D. when this was written, 2023, 20, today it's still true, there are people who can help themselves, but they just assume you do it if you're willing. Understand? Uh, Paul says clearly, you know what, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're responsible to take care of your own duties. I have my own backpack no one, I can't, I can't let someone else be Denise's husband and do the duties. I, I have to walk with Jeff for Jeff. I can't ask you to read God's Word for me. I can't ask you to get filled with the Holy Spirit for me. Does that make sense? I can't ask you to come and study and get ready for Sunday mornings for me. That, that's my backpack. That's my briefcase. We all have to do our own thing. God's Word says we each should carry our own load. Do your part and I'll do mine. If I'm healthy and able to work, I just don't want to work. Track with me. Feed me, clothe me, take care of me, serve me. Here's what 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says very clearly, very bluntly. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Isn't that blunt? Isn't that harsh? Isn't that true? We have so many people, they don't want to work. They don't want to do their part. They want us... See, and that's, that's... God's Word is so balanced. Take care of those who are in genuine need who are genuinely being overwhelmed. But be careful because some people will see us taking care of people and say, hey, why don't you do my stuff? Why don't you take care of me? And they'll take advantage of our grace. And I'm telling you, when able-bodied adults are not doing their own part, track with me, then the folks who really need help aren't being helped as they should be. And those who are doing the helping quickly get overwhelmed because now they're taking care of those really in need and they're trying to serve those who just don't feel like taking care of themselves. Here's what I need to say as we close. The church family is so much more than just coming and singing together on Sunday mornings. Although I love to sing with you. I look forward to Sunday mornings, singing, worshiping, greeting, getting reconnected, encouraging. We come together, we're, we're like logs on a fire, 
and we come and together we burn bright and we celebrate Jesus. So we come together uh, and our teens and our children and we got slides and we've got teaching. Um, but we're rescued and we're redeemed and we grow so we can care for each other. Do you understand? We're here as a team of lifeguards on alert, watching for each other, ready to help one another in the family. Especially when we see people drowning in their sin and they're stuck and they need our help. That's why we're here. That's why the Lord drew us here together. We are called to help carry the burdens, the overwhelming, crushing burdens of life, with one another. A man fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out. Track with me. An empathetic person came along and said, Hey, I feel for you down there. A Pharisee said, Well, only bad people fall into pits. A gossip wanted to know all the details. A self-pitying person said, You should see my pit. A legalist said, you deserve your pit. (laughs) A psychologist noted, your parents are to blame for your pit. A self-help therapist said, believe in yourself and you can get out of your pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, there's nothing worse than this. Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. We're called to be Jesus, hands and feet to one another. You understand? Jesus is saying here today, this is family. This is what we're called to. And just as Jesus isn't upset and mad at you because you fell into a pit or are being crushed by an overwhelming burden, we're not supposed to be mad or angry with each We're just supposed to, because here, here's the truth, we're all at times going to take turns being in the pit and needing each other and being the hands of Jesus to help each other out. Well, won't you today join with me as we love and care for one another here in the family? That's what we're called to. That's what it means to be the church. Of Jesus Christ. And bow your heads, shut your eyes as we close. And it very well may be that some of you here today, although you're looking good and you look great, you very well may be either A, stuck in a pit, or overwhelmed with a crushing burden. I just want you to know, Jesus is ready this morning to use his church. To reach down, we want to help you out of your pit. Whatever it is, if if you'll think and say, Lord, am I stuck? Am I drowning? Is there a hook of sin in my life? Is, Is there something that's overwhelming me today, 
Would you make that clear? Because sometimes we have an incredible capacity to push it to the side and ignore it. Lord, make yourself clear. Here's what I want you to know. This morning, we're, we're going to attempt to put these verses into practice. So if you're, uh, if you're stuck, if you're crushed, if you're drowning, we don't want you to have to do that alone. We want to be here for you. And I realize that to ask you to come forward up to uh, the stage to the altar, we're going to call this up here today, this morning, to uh, own that you're stuck and overwhelmed and getting crushed is humbling. But here's what you need to know. Here's what God's Word says. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that He might lift you up. Okay? So the Lord uses humbling times to lift us up. If you're watching online, you can hit that prayer button. We'll have a private conversation with you. If you're here in person, the Lord's speaking. We invite you to make your way up here. Humble yourself. We've got some folks there prepared to help you, pray with you, love on you, listen, perhaps uh, begin the process of getting you unstuck. The altar's open. We're going to sing a song that's just perfect for this closing time. You're welcome down. If the Lord's speaking to you, oh, come to the altar. Would you stand with me? Let's close with uh, that invite there for you.